0: Welcome to The Eight. I'm happy to be back at The Eight. We are talking about roots. Before we kind of get into what on earth do I mean by roots, I I, I know a priest, personally, that was at the airport, and uh, and of course you stick out like a a sore thumb at the airport, and um, a, a, a lady comes to the priest and says, Father, do you believe that God wants what's best for me? And the priest said, yes, of course. And he said, okay, thank you, and he walked away. And then, like they're they're like at the terminal, so the priest goes to the, the girl and like, do you mind me, you know, do you mind me asking, you know, where is that question coming from, for you to say that, like, you, you asked ask me, does God want what's best for me, and then, the, and, then and the lady said, well, my, my ex-boyfriend dumped me and he did something harsh and, and I'm I'm planning to, to 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 actually kill him this week. And, 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 and I feel like that's what God wants best for me is to, for there to be justice. So now that you said that God wants what's best for me, what's best for me is to kill my, my boyfriend. It sounds like I'm exaggerating. This is a true story of, the, of this priest. That I, so to her, what's God, what, God, what does God want for her is, is, is for, for her to kill her boyfriend. And she found justification because God loves her. She knows, she, that, that's what's best for her. question that I, I love when people ask me is, do we believe in evolution? Do we believe in evolution? And I love that question, because what's my response to that question? Define evolution. Define evolution. We don't believe in molecule-to-man evolution, but of course we believe in evolution. But you, you always have to ask the question to the question. You have to know the definition to what is being asked, or the definition to certain terms, or the definition to certain statements. Doesn't it summarize 2020 right here for us? right? Love is love, black lives matter, climate change is real, women's rights are human rights, immigrants make America great, kindness is everything. I love it, it's a beautiful sign. But it can be interpreted in so many different ways. Love is love. There's some people in this world that would define love as love as being, well They do not have the same pursuits of life as me. They so since they do not have the same way of thinking as me, for me to love them is for me to very delicately slice their head off. That's my love toward them. I cannot deny. I I cannot argue with someone of that ideology. For them to love somebody is for them to make sure that their head is chopped off. I cannot argue with that. That's love is love. Okay, you do you. That's their definition of love is love. Some people would say, climate change is real. Some people would say, yeah, in the fall it's cooler weather, and then the climate changes when it's summer. Climate change is real. Some people would interpret that phrase as that. But it depends on the definition of these phrases. Don't judge me. I'm just using this as an extreme example. Some people would say, immigrants make America great. Immigrants make America great. They would say, yeah, immigrants make America great because they do jobs that other people don't want to do. They make America great by doing those jobs. Obviously, that's wrong. But I'm saying, I can interpret these phrases, these definitions, my own way. And this agenda is pushed to us, but the way I define love might be different than the way you define love. Trivia. What percent of songs do you believe between 2017 2017 And 2020 were about love. Anyone take a guess? What percent of songs? 27 percent, okay. Any other guesses? 70, yeah, 64 percent. To be honest, I was going to guess higher. But 64 percent of songs. So they say there are over 100 million songs about love. I can define all these phrases my own way. I can interpret them my own way, depending on my own definition. I can interpret love. Love is love. Love has no gender. I can define that my own way as well. So before we go any further, we need to make sure that we agree on definitions of terms. If not, then you might come out with a different sermon in your head because we're not agreeing on science. We're not agreeing on the etymology of certain words. We define love based off emotion or sexual, physiological drive. For the most part, when we think of love, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. When we hear these songs about love, most of the time, our natural definition is something related to emotions or our sexual or physiological drive. I'll give you some examples. Oh, we fell in love. We fell in love, which I, I really want to know the history behind that. How do you fall into love? Like, do you, you trip and you fall? Like, what does it mean to fall into love? But we're basing it off an emotion. I fell into love. It's not an accidental, uh, accidental thing, but if we go with most of the time when we think of love, we're looking at it from an emotional basis or a sexual basis. I fall into love. Like I said, the word love has been hijacked. The word love has been hijacked. It has been, now we think, love is love. Love has no gender. Love has been used and taken away from the essence of its purest definition. So, the million dollar question. What is love? What is love? Just in English, I can say, I love my wife. I love pizza. I love holy bread. I love tea. I can use love for everything. I also love God. I also love my daughter. But it cannot be the same term that I use for all these different people or items. So there has to be a distinction. This is where the English language falls short. Because in Greek, there are eight different terms who describe what love is. And I want to just to talk about three. Just for us, because I, I want us to take a step back and, and, have, and, 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 and relearn, we rewire our mind and our heart as far as the, the definition or the term of love. Love, the meaning of love, right? First type of Greek language or Greek term used for love is eros, is eros love. Eros love is where we get the word erotic love from. This is selfish. This is sexual, sexually charged definition of love. This is lustful. This is that's in for me. That's er that the eros love is self love. What's in it for me? And think about it. We most of the time make life decisions. Based off what's in it for me. It's all, how does this bring love to me? This pizza is love to me. This, this makes me happy. It's for me. My, my sexual lust or desire for someone or something, that's Eros love. That's for me. Another type of love. So That's for me. Another type of love. Philia love. Like the city of, of, of brotherly love, Philadelphia. Philia is mutual love. Where I'll do something for you, and you do something for me. It involves you and me. So when I say, yeah, you know, we love each other. It is mutual. If you get nothing out of this talk, hear me out on this. Consciously and subconsciously, the thread of marriages in our culture, in society, in this day and age, in world history, is based off this type of love. Most marriages are based off of this love. What are you bringing to the table? Okay, if we're going to date, once we get married, are, are you, are you going to be the one to stay home and I'll work? Okay, you do this and I'll do that. I'll, I'll take care of the kids and you do the dishes. What are, you bringing, what, what are you bringing to the table for our marriage? Well, he doesn't have this or she doesn't have that. It's all about what are you bringing to the table. In other words, it is a transaction. It's a transactional way of looking at love. But we use the word love and make sugar sugarcoat. Yeah, we love each other. But subconsciously, what's driving it is what are you bringing to the table? What are you bringing to the table? We don't want to admit it because that sounds selfish. But this is what drives so many marriages. And this is what drives for marriages to dissolve. I'm intentional about using the word dissolve. I'm not using the word divorce. Yes, you know, statistically, more than 50% of marriages are in divorce. But I'm not talking about that because there's some marriages where they can just live as roommates. But they're completely checked out from each other. Yeah, they might have not legally gotten a divorce. But are they mentally, emotionally, physically connected with each other? Absolutely not. It has dissolved. Why? Because it is based on Philia love. It is based on Philia love. Well, you know, she used to, she doesn't dress the way that she used to, or she didn't even respect me like she used to, or the sex got dull, or whatever. You hear all these things. Because it's not, it's, they're not bringing their part to the table anymore. So, okay, they're not bringing their part to the table. I'm going to check out. I'm going to go find fulfillment outside of this marriage. Okay, since she's not doing her part, and I can justify it. Since she's not doing her part, I have every right to look outside. Let me go find another transaction. Let me go find love outside and see what can they bring to the table and what I can bring to the table. This is the foundation of the vast majority of marriages. But if I look at the divine design of marriages, being three entities... Man, woman, and God, if it's just transactional, it's just this part of the triangle. If I look at a triangle, it's only this part, the bottom part. Because it's always, what are you bringing? What am I bringing? It's all about you, me, 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 me. Okay, I'll do this, but you promise you do this. Remember, this time, Thanksgiving is with my family. and You remember, it's my, it's, 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 this holiday is with my family, you remember? It's all about transactions. It's all about transactions. And this will naturally self-implode. This will naturally dissolve. But the original design, the original design of this mystery of marriage, of this essence of love, is where there are three entities involved. Where two here are pushing toward the, the, the essence or the ethic of, of, of supreme love. They both are pushing and this brings a sacrificial union between these three entities. Eros, all about me. What's in it for me? Thilia, Okay, what are you going to bring to the table? How can we do this together? There's something in it for you. There's something in it for me. I'll scratch your back and I'll scratch mine. Whatever the saying is, you or you're with me. The third one is agave love or ehebi love. Again, in English, we use the word love for everything. For everything. For, from, from spiritual language talk to, 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 to radio music, we use the word love for everything. But if we take a step back and put definitions to love, at a higher level, this is where we can find the highest pinnacle of ethics and morality that we are designed to live. Self-love is one thing. Mutual love, transactional, is another thing. But you are called not to live the first two types of love. You and I are wired, are invited, to live that third type of love. Agape love is you. Is where I push unconditional love to someone. Where I push sacrificial love without expecting anything in return. That sounds exhausting. That sounds unrewarding. But the mystery of how that is wired and how the world is designed for us to push that love, it brings the utmost of fulfillment to me when I'm pushing, that, pushing out that sacrificial love. This is the essence of what love is. Today is all about back to basics. We cannot move forward over the next four weeks and talk about love unless we agree on the definition. But we're, 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 we're surrounded by noise. you got, you got to love yourself. It, it, love is love. Love has no gender. Those noises are, are pushing at us. But naturally, those definitions of love... Is for the self, is, is looking at it from, from, from an Eros perspective or from a philia perspective. But the, the, the essence of the beauty of what love is intended to be is agabi. I tell people when they say, like, you know, I don't want to talk to this person anymore or we're done. You know what? If, if, if you live a worldview of philia love, I'm, I'm all for you. I'm all for you. But if you're wanting to pursue divinity, if you're wanting to tap into the reality of who your Heavenly Father is, then you are invited to push outside of that. I don't expect from someone else that has a different worldview. I would totally respect. Like I said, some people in this world will define love as me beautifully killing you if you don't agree with me. That's, that's the way I can express love to you. I, can't, I cannot disagree with them. That's their ideology. But if I'm wanting to get to, to, the, to the original divine design of what love is intended to be, it requires me to give of myself without expecting anything in return. That makes us uncomfortable. It's so un-American to say those words. To live out this ethic of agape love, to, to live this out, the more I'm able to engage myself in something, the more I get out of it. The more I'm engaged in something, the more I will get out of it. For example, if I want to say I want to lose 10 pounds before Thanksgiving, if I eat a salad every other day, okay, that's good. But the more I put into it, the more of an outcome I'll get. Then if, now I start changing my sleeping pattern. I start changing my diet. I start changing, you know, instead of taking the elevator, I'm going to take the stairs. I start changing every aspect of my health in order to reach my goal. The more I put into it, the more I can get out of it. So the more I can tap into the reality of what love is, the highest essence of what love is, the more I will find change in myself, in my relationships, in my marriage. the, The optics of how I view everything in this world completely changes because I am pursuing the highest essence of what love is. This is why the divine designer of love, the one who says, I am love, he made it very clear to all of humanity. He says, love the Lord holistically, with all your mind, with all your strength. It's not, okay, you know, make sure you love you know, God, you know, when, he, when, when, when things are good. Make sure you love him just on Sunday morning. No, it's a holistic way of life. It involves, it involves the very fabric of who we are because we are wired in the reflection of this agave love. Since he is love, since he is agave love, we are the reflection of that reality. And that reality is, is, is by design, by definition, is called to be pushed to others. 9 out of 10, there was a survey done to married couples. 9 out of 10 people get married for love. It's beautiful, right? But their definition of love, I have no idea. Statistically, most fall into that second group, philia love. Most fall into that category of what's in it for me. I'm bringing this to the table, what are you bringing? So 9 out of 10 will say, yeah, we got married for love. 50% of first marriages dissolve. 78% of second marriages dissolve. Ninety-one percent of third marriages dissolve. I'm not a marriage. I, I don't know nothing of this. I'm just regurgitating what I have learned. My guess: they don't agree on definitions. They never sat back and had a definite They never had a conversation. Of okay, we 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 fell in love. Do you want to talk about what that means, or you just want to go ahead and start planning for the wedding? The supreme ethic that drives this world is wired into the essence and definition of what agave love is. This agave love, this unconditional sacrificial love of pushing, it packaged in this definition is free will, is liberty, is to do as you wish, is honor and respect to someone, but continuing to push love toward them without expecting anything in return. Anybody know what this is? On the last few hours of Jesus' life, he told some disciples, do you mind finding a a spot for us to rent, for us to celebrate this Jewish holiday? So they found a a man named Mark, and they asked if we can use your dining room. So they get ready. They get everything ready for the supper. And Jesus makes it clear to them that I want you to partake of this reality, moving forward. That this reality, this mystery, this sacramental reality of this bread and this wine, being me, I'm inviting you to abide in it. Moving forward, as you continue to push unconditional love to others, the centerpiece for you to embrace that reality, for you to recharge, is understanding and participating and partaking and abiding in the reality of this bread and wine. To you, logically, your eyeballs say this is bread and wine. But I transcend your logic. This is me. And I'm inviting you to partake of this reality. This was given to us 2,000 years ago, on that Thursday night. The Orthodox Church, being the fullness and the original version of Christianity this is still the integral part of who we are this is still the integral part that identifies us. this is the integral part of what agape love is is what occurred of jesus giving himself for him breaking to be given to many and you and i are called to be broken to be given to many the celebration of breaking of bread that was given to us on that thursday night is what drove the the Christian movement moving forward for the first few decades, for the first few centuries, and we are the continuation of that reality. One of the prayers, as the prayers became more formal and more structured, as they continued to break bread, as Christians continue to break bread, as we do today, there was a philosopher who ended up becoming a Christian. His name is St. Gregory, and he wrote some beautiful words. Of of, of, of of liturgical prayers that we pray till today. And if you pray at St. Mark Church, moving forward for the next four weeks, we will be praying these words when we come to break bread and celebrating the Eucharist. St. Gregory says this. The oneness of heart. Isn't that nice? Ah, I want the oneness of heart. That sounds nice and fluffy. It makes me feel good. I want oneness of heart. Oneness of heart. That is of unconditional, sacrificial agave love. May it not just be a part of us, and may it not just only be given to those who are nice to us, may it take root in us. The oneness of heart that is built on the fabric of agave love, built on this ethic, may it take root in us. I think there's so much intentionality and in why this philosopher St. Gregory was so intentional about the language that he decided to use in writing this prayer. Who doesn't want oneness of heart? Yeah, it sounds so hippie. Every ideology, every worldview. If I talk to a nun, somebody that says they're none of the above, they're not Christian or nothing. Why don't you want oneness of heart? Yeah, I want oneness of heart. It sounds good. Who doesn't want oneness of heart? We're being torn by so many directions, right? So wouldn't it be nice not to, to, to remove some of that anxiety and stress and tension and to have oneness of heart? Who wouldn't want to, have, to, to get rid of that, 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 that bitterness, that grudge, that jealousy, that anger? Yeah, I want to remove that. I want to have oneness of heart that is built on the reality of love. He's intentional by saying, may it take root. Because it's hard. He's not saying, yeah, we should have... He's not saying, you know, the oneness of heart, let's pray for love, everybody. Is not what he's saying. He's saying the oneness of heart that is of, of, of this ethic of love, of this agave love, may it take root in us. Roots have to be Firm. Roots, you have to be intentional about growing a plant for it to go south in order for there to produce fruit up north. There's a lot of work that's built in this. Listen, I'm talking to myself first and foremost. You and I are called to push this agave love and our relationships into those people that we cannot stand. This is our calling. If it's not our calling, then we can just make this a a, a gathering for us to be better people and just end it at philia love. Just make it transactional, and that's it. Everything else in the world runs like that. But we're called to a higher calling than that. What makes us any different? How are we tapping into the reality of who God is if we're not pushing love to that extra level? Then what are we doing? But St. Gregory is intentional. He's saying the oneness of heart that is built on love, may, may, let us be intentional of growing those roots down. That when pain comes, when suffering comes, when that person comes, when the wind comes, that my roots are, are, are firmly planted in the ground. That regardless of what comes to me, that I'm always asking the question, how am I called to push this agave love? What is asked of me to push this love? This should be the question that rolls through our mind. When that person is getting under our skin, what is asked of me to push divine love right now? What is asked of me? But let's remind ourselves of the definition of what this divine definition of love is. Not our own definition. Not love is love. Not, not filial not, not, not love, not selfish love, but the highest essence of what love is. Jesus, out of all the commandments, there's 634. I, I know my Jewish law. I know all that stuff from the Torah. Of all the commandments, Jesus, can you just make it simple for us? What is the most important? Like, don't, 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 don't give me a long sermon. I don't have much time. Just, just give me a nice thing. I can just, like, just, just, just put it, like, if it can fit in a tweet, that's what I want. Just give me a nice, quick answer. Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Jesus is being smart with him. He's saying, "Okay, you, you you know the law. Let me just quote to you one of the laws. You know this." So he he's just he's just he's he's quoting from scripture, and he's giving this. Okay, the, God is one. It's not you know your own version of God that you want to make. No, God is one, and you love Him with the with every single fab, every fiber of who you are, is is called and invited to love God. Okay. Jesus continues. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no command greater than these. Love the God, love your Lord holistically and love your neighbor as yourself. Fabulous. Well said, teacher. That's what the Jewish man told Jesus. Love it. Perfect. Very nice. Two simple answers. I love it. Well said, teacher. The man replied, You're right. You're right, Jesus, in saying that God is one and there's no other, no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. He said, you know, I like this. I like your answer. This is good, Rabbi. I like it. I love God, love the Lord with with every part of who I am. Love my neighbor as yourself. That's so much better than like any sacrifice that I would give to God. I love it. I'm with you. When When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you know what? You're not that far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. You ever think about that? You got this very popular rabbi. You're hanging out with him. You're having some coffee with him. Nobody else wanted to ask him any questions. Why? You don't think they had other questions for him? But Jesus said to this man, you know what? The reality of the kingdom, the reality of heaven the reality of eternity, you're not that far. What is Jesus saying? It's like, okay, you know the law. You know it. If you put this into action, if you execute on this reality of what you just regurgitated, you're not that far from the reality of heaven. No one had any other questions because they realized, you know what, this is not a head thing. Me knowing those 634 commandments It's not about knowing them. This rabbi just consolidated all the commandments into those two. Am I living that out or not? My favorite book in all of Scripture is the record of a first eyewitness of experiencing the teachings, the life, the the, the, the highs and lows of Jesus' life. A young man by the name of St. John St. John the Apostle. I love him because of his style of writing, how real, uh, him being a young age, experiencing firsthand all the highs and lows of Jesus' life. And in his gospel, and actually not in his gospel, obviously he he wrote uh, one of the four gospels, but he wrote in many other letters to the early Christians, and he said these words to some early Christians. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. Do not fall into the trap. Yeah, yeah, I love my brother. I love my sister. Yeah, I love. Do not fall into the trap of defining love your own way. Do not fall into the trap of defining brother and sister your own way. Yes, biologically, okay. But to those who you are connected with, isn't it hard that people closest to us hurts us the most? Whoever claims to love God, whoever claims to love God but hates those around him, you are a liar. You've completely missed the point. You completely do not understand what it means to love God. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this commandment. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister this seems so elementary, this seems so nice, it's great for a nice third grade lesson probably downstairs for them to go, you got to love your brother and sister to love God. Okay, for you and me, what does that mean for us? What does love require of you? What does love require of you? What is the step that, 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 that I need to take What's this 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 push that I need to take? Again, if if listen, if you're new to Christianity or like you just like I I don't want you to feel pressured. If you want to be good at filial love, stick with filial love. But 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 to to really be alive, to really find life, to really find the fullness of life, it requires us to tap into the essence of what love is, not the noise of what other people define it, and not how you and I define it. Self-love sounds so attractive. Love is love. It's so attractive. It's so appealing. It makes a great Instagram post. But for us, we need to to take a step back. What is the definition of these words? Where does it come from? What is the essence of love itself? Because I'm telling you, some people define it very different. Some people define murder as love. I can't judge them on that. Out of everything St. John experienced, of seeing the life of Jesus that even at the end of his gospel, for him to write, man, I don't have enough paper to write down everything I experienced in Jesus' life. This is him being so real at the end of his gospel to say, I don't have enough paper to write down everything I experienced in Jesus' life. For him to make it very simple to an early group of Christians, listen, you cannot do this without doing this. There has to be a vertical and a horizontal component. It is impossible to have one without the other. Like, you, you missed the point. You don't understand You don't understand the essence of agape love if you, if, you, if you think it's just like a one-way thing. It doesn't work like that. He makes it extremely clear. Imagine. Imagine if people did not agree with you. Imagine if people did not like you, which I think if you have a pulse, I'm sure there's a, a, one or two people that are like that in your life. Imagine if people don't like you, but they're curious and intrigued by the way you push love to others. They don't get your, your, your lifestyle. They don't get your life decisions. They don't get you. But they're intrigued by the way you act out love. What if people came to our church and says, you know what? I don't know if I get this whole like pastor thing wearing a dress. I don't know if I can get this whole liturgy thing. But you know what? The way that they act out love, I want my kids to marry their kids. Imagine, they don't buy anything else in the church, but they see how we push it and ask ourselves, what is, what does love require of me to do? And they see that in us and they say, you know what? I like that. I want my kids to marry one of their kids. Imagine if your neighbor said that, maybe your coworker said that. Imagine what our world would look like. If it's not us pushing the essence and and, and the the purest etymology of the definition of love, then who is? For us to move forward and continuing this discussion in life group, for us to continue the discussion over the next four weeks, we have to pause and talk about the definition of what is love. Because I know something you want and something I want is oneness of heart that is in love for that to be rooted in me. Because if that is rooted in me, guaranteed, the fruits that will come from my life will make me better at life. But it requires me to pause, define love, define oneness of heart, and be intentional of how that can grow in roots in order for there to be life change. Let's stand up and say a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, what God, amen. Lord, I pray that these words are not just words. I pray that this talk is not just a talk for myself, but that we can talk little, and our actions can speak louder than our words. Lord, I pray that we cannot just settle for our own definition, our own version of love, that we don't settle for our own version of life. We don't settle for our own version of Christianity but for for us to continue to grow deeper into the beauty and richness of our ancient version of Christianity. Lord, I pray that love can be instilled in us, for it to take root in us, that over the next four or five weeks, God, that we can plant that root, that we can continue for it to grow deeper, because, Lord, we know that we can see the fullness of life when we are intentional about pursuing the essence of love with you. Through the prayers of your saints, Lord, hear us as we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, guys. Uh, we'll continue. This is part one out of five. So we'll do part two. two. And today's the last day to sign up for a life group. If you have not already, make sure you do sign up for a life group.